It's what we do, baby! This is Race Wars. Race Wars. I have the power! Yeah! How's it feel? With Kurt Metzger. You're out of your fucking mind, dude. And Sherrod Small. Settle down, bitch. Race Wars. Boom, Race Wars in the building again. We back, we them boys. We them boys. We them boys. Uh, still quarantining. I mean, it's still in some stage of quarantine. I think we faced two or three. I lost count. And, uh, yeah, hold it up. Uh, uh, some of the parts of uh, this country are, are getting worse and worse every day. You've got Texas and Florida and New Mexico and California all going up. All the numbers going up. People testing positive and people dying. But we still going to have a fun show. Zay Nab's in the house. Zay? Hey. Hey, Sherrod. Hi, Karen. Nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. Wait, y'all never met before, you and Karen? No. I think this no. is the time. White daughter, you need more black people in your life, goddammit. You're that not before. wrong about that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Everybody can't be pink, okay? <laughs> I feel hey, like where I'm... are you? What? Where are you currently? Oh, I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles. In LA. How's it going out there? Um, for me, it's going pretty good. But I mean, I've been in the house for the most part for a very long time. But I mean, like there's people at my pool right now. There's people barbecuing. They don't, give a, they don't, they don't care. Word? Yeah, this man walked by me today on my little walk. He ain't have on a mask and he didn't move over. I was like, you, you're not even gonna move over? Wow. Mm-hmm. California's yeah, so. a mess. It's a mess out there. It's too much freedom. Mm, yeah. So you, uh, anybody you know came down with the, uh, with the corona? Zay? Yeah, yeah. My um, one of my younger brothers actually really early had was tested positive for COVID, and I remember being on the phone with him, and he was like, "That shit fake. That it don't exist. Nah, nah. They, oh, you believe that fake news?" And then like two or three days later, he was bundled up. Like I can't taste anything. <laughs> uh, and how old is he? Because he's pretty young to be getting a. Uh, he's probably in his mid twenties. See, that's a young. See, they seem to, and you said he had it early on. But first, they were just saying like older people, and uh, you were more susceptible to it, and people with pre-existing uh, conditions. But the reality is that a lot of young people were getting early on in this shit. Yeah, I think that the only thing we can agree on in terms of COVID is that they nobody knows anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows anything. Nothing has been consistent. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, everything's been up and down. I try to believe in that Fauci, that son of a bitch. Dr. Yeah. Fauci, but, uh, he's the only one who I even listen to in any of this. Sarah Jane's think, doing it now, too. Sarah Jane's coming in. I think Fauci knows, but I think that he got a, you know, he 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 got the old lady, which is Trump. Yeah. There's Sarah. Hi. There we go. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Hi. How are you? Hi. Nice. Look at that background. Shit, where you calling from? You in LA, too? No, Miami. Miami, another hot spot, goddammit. I know. (laughs) Are you you staying clear of it? You good? Yeah, as far as I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) Anybody you know uh, got the virus down there? Anybody close to you? No, not recently. I had um, two friends that got it in the beginning of March. They were over it pretty quickly. They just lost their smell and taste. Wow. Yeah, that's what happened to a couple people I know. They said it couldn't taste and smell. Intense. So I smoke weed in their house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a jerk. But you got that new CBD oil coming out, right, Sadie? I do. I've actually got um, a bath bomb, a massage oil, and a sex lube. And- whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's back it up now, goddamn. <laughs> We're going to go with a sex glue. Uh, let's start the sex glue first. What's the sex glue? 
Um, the sex lube, it's, it's like a gel and it's a water-based lubricant. Um, the bottle's got 200 milligrams of CBD in the whole bottle. So what? I've used it on myself. I haven't used it with a partner yet because of coronavirus. But um, <laughs> I, on myself, you can actually feel your like muscles like relaxing and loosening. Really? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Like and where yeah, do you-, you get like a special CBD via vagina buzz? Not a buzz. There's no no high to it at all. But like kind of feels like you're melting on the inside. You're just like super relaxed. That sounds like a high. (laughs) I'm 100% in. (laughs) Yep. And um, I'll be honest, like I'm not really a squirter, but I've squirted five out of six times with the CBD lube, yeah. Hello. <laughs> Is that a symptom of this on a- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hello. Welcome to the show, goddammit. <laughs> now, you've been in the porn industry for a long time, Sarah. I've seen a lot of your work. Yeah. You've been a fan for a long time. Thank you. And uh, so how do you, how's the industry coping with this? Y'all just shut down right away? Are you still... Yeah, you know, um, we shut down right away. Like we're all, you know, we have to be very health conscious and um, already with like STDs and HIV, we're, you know, already getting tested every two weeks regardless. So um, we had to shut down and kind of figure out what the new procedures are going to be and what the testing protocols are going to be. And um, I'll tell you, over the past couple months, I've sat in on a lot of meetings. It's been a lot of meetings. First of all, uh, tested every two weeks, that would give me anxiety out the ass. You get used to it. You get used to it. Like, yeah, you totally get used to it. Because it, you figure it's actually better to get tested every two weeks than not. Because if you got tested, when we first started, when I first started in the industry, it was every 30 days. And that was actually a little bit more anxiety driven, I think, obviously, because I just started in the industry, but also because you've got 30 days of people to call. Like if you come up positive with something, which is like not what you want to do. But if you can limit those phone calls down to like two weeks, it's much, much easier. (laughs) Now you, wait, where did you grow up? You grew up where? Um, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. Now how, uh, so you grew up, went to high school and everything in Cincinnati? I did. I left there when I was 20. What high school was it? I went to Anderson High School. Nerds. Sorry. <laughs> you school? know, I have to say, there. like, um, I just, I just got like really good news. Um, my high school was the Anderson High School Redskins. Right. And uh, yeah, I kind of pushed them on um, Twitter and on social media to, you know, have some discussions about changing the name and. It's been one of those things that even when I was in high school, every year they would have a discussion about it and nothing would happen. Right. And um, I think obviously besides like the pressure that's been put on the Washington Redskins and, you know, just social media pressure, they've decided that they are going to change the name and that they're working on trying to. Zaynab, what do you think? You think they're going to change the name of the Redskins or doesn't even matter if they do? Um, I think that Nike pulled out, right? Yeah. Nike, Nike threatened to pull out. Yeah, I, I think that they will change it. I mean, as long as you, I think that's all that matters is money. You know, I know we can get like into the semantics of like culture, race and that, but the bottom line is money. And yeah. if you take away enough money or threaten enough money, it'll change anything and everything. Yeah, I think Nike to stop selling the merchandise and then FedEx, who their stadium is named after, they, they started saying they yeah. don't know a lot. 
So uh, yeah, I guess if you affect somebody's pockets, that's the only way to make some real change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Also, you just... they they act like you can't come up with a new name. Like there's so many comedy writers coming up with material every day, and they like you can't come up with another name to a, a team. That seems really easy. Yeah. I also think it's crazy that a school would do that. Like, hello, education. We're supposed to be like bettering the future. Right. Like, why would you stick to something so old and antiquated and just kind of blatantly racist. I mean, oh, because the textbooks that they teach us from do the same thing. How big was Anderson? Um, it was like a medium big school. Like it definitely wasn't small, but it wasn't huge either. How many black people? God damn it. <laughs> Two? No wonder y'all was the Redskins. Wow. <laughs> they were brothers. They were I'm brothers. Sorry, it wasn't the worst name. Dad was a, a sports announcer, like a national sports announcer, uh, Mr. Dickey, Derek and Dave Dickey. Mm -hmm. yeah. So two black people in the whole school. Lord have mercy. Did they get chased? No, like I'll be honest. Um, like everybody kind of like looked up to them in like a token kind of way, as terrible as that is to say, but it was like, oh. Like, the black guys that play basketball, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like the, the old joke. White people like they, black people like they like they seasoning. Just a dash. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there was one Asian person at her school, and then when the two black guys showed up, they were like, shit. Right? But there's a lot of race shit that goes on in the industry as well. I know, but when you first mm. started, I'm sure it was like, it was more taboo to have like mixed race scenes, wasn't it? You know, it's been going on the whole 20 years. I don't really feel that too much has changed until recently, to be honest with you. Would you um, say it has changed though, like now? Well, we're working on it. Like that's more meetings that I've been going to over quarantine <laughs> is that, you know, uh, there's like a lot of racial injustice in um, porn. And I think that we're starting to have conversations about it, like large conversations and bringing it to people's attention that we're either ignoring it or not aware of it. And um, I'm hoping that finally we make some differences, you know, the changes start with us. And that's part of the reason why I started my production company was because um, I didn't see the type of porn that um, I, I felt like there was like this kind of like Naughty America Brazzers type of porn where it's like situational, you know, like you, your neighbor, your lawyer, your doctor, your teacher, but they always were white on white people. And yeah. I just didn't really understand that. And I also feel that, um, you know, the term interracial that we use in pornography was kind of like too limited to just meaning like a black man and a white woman. Like what right. about Asian people? What about Latin people? Like, right. you know, um, so it's, it's always been an issue. When I first started, I was married and I was married to a black man and I didn't even. What? <laughs> Wait, when you first started porn, you were married? Yeah, all. yeah. I didn't even, i be honest, like I didn't even think about have the, any kind of different, I, I didn't even think about it being a taboo. It didn't even cross my mind. Right. And so when I first uh, got hired to do my first, like, you know, interracial movie, um, 
I was asked like what my IR rate was and I was like, mm. what do you mean? I don't understand why you would even ask me that. And I, I was offended like right from the beginning. To be honest. It's a different rate for interracial scenes. It's like the kind of discrimination. I, I have a lot of- We're not doing it anymore. That is like one thing that I think is across the board, like not gonna happen anymore. Thank God, at least that, mm. you know? It's like some of the things that go on in the porn industry as far as discrimination. If it happened in any other industry, it would be hell to pay. Why do, yeah. you, why do you think it's not because it's taboo because sex is taboo is it, is it uh, you know that's definitely part of it and you know everybody's got their excuses and stuff like uh we, we are having sex and people have these like really strong feelings about being intimate with you know people outside their ethnicity sometimes you know whether it's like environmental or family imposed or that's fine but why do they uh monetarily reward that is the problem I, okay so this and i'm not making an excuse but i've asked the same question myself you know like what the fuck and um you know girls a lot of times will say like because black guys are bigger and i'm like i can play yeah, like, bitch. I can, I can play, <laughs> like if that's the case let's charge by the inch if that's the case yeah. instead of charging by ethnicity so let's charge by the inch you exactly know? like oh like because i can point out like a ton of white guys that are just as big as black guys, you exactly. know? Like, I'm not, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. So like when I started my production company, like I definitely have never paid different for different ethnicities. I also don't ask people if they're willing to work with black people. Like instead, cause that's like a typical question too. Like, do you do IR? Like that's so if the IR rate does the black dude get an IR rate if you fucking no he doesn't and that's whack right exactly it's like he's fucking out of his race as well so they they already showing that some races are better than others in that fucking famous the whole thing's whack I'm I'm glad that like within this whole like discussion that is one thing that we've agreed on is that there will not be any more IR. Like, have you ever just, had someone complain? Have you had someone be like, no, that you just sprung this on me? Yeah. So what I normally do is uh, instead of say like, you know, are you comfortable working with a black person or anything like that? What I normally say is like, uh, I'm going to cast you with Rome Major. Are you interested in working with Rome Major? So that way it's like, go look him up. It's up to it's you. He's a person, like, right? Yeah, he's a human. And maybe there's some other reason why you don't want to work with him besides the right. color of his skin. Right. Um, but I have had, uh, it only happened once, but I did have a performer that I had booked for a scene and I said the same thing. Like, are you interested in working with this talent? She was like, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. And then the day of the shoot, she calls me and cancels because she doesn't work with black guys anymore. And what's crazy is that I've seen, I, yeah, no, I've seen her. That ship has sailed. You know, I, I actually try to do like research on people and see what kind of people they usually work with and what kind of people they yeah. like to work with because I want to make sure I'm going to get the best production possible out of them, you know? And yeah, that like I, I not only have I never hired that girl again, but I don't speak to her or recommend her. Or Zainab, I would say the same shit happens in comedy, but it ain't written in stone, you know what I'm saying? The same pay scale type of situation I'm talking about. Yeah, they don't um, say what's your IR rate at the comedy club. <laughs> <laughs> How I much mean, would it cost us to put a black girl on this lineup? Um, yeah, I, I imagine it, I imagine that it happens. I mean, like in the, in the talk of like gender equality and pay rates, right? We, they yeah. always say that women make what, 
70 something cent compared to every man and then then they lower it for black women uh, black women uh, yeah, Latina. Yeah. you know so yeah i'm sure which is why whenever i get the opportunity i like to rape the man that is cutting the check you right. know <laughs> and by rape i mean financially <laughs> okay yeah you gotta take all the money you can yeah go for you yes. good for you yes. you gotta know your yes. own worth absolutely absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. So is it better in the, you think it's better now in the porn industry as far as race than it was before? Or is it still the same shit? Because you got all these amateur people coming in. And to be fair, when you're looking up porn, you go like this, black girls, uh, Latinas. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's how you type it in when you're searching. I'm a creep. And, I know what I do. And you know what? I don't, I don't expect that to change. And I don't think that that necessarily has to change because those are descriptor words. You know, it's right. like looking up a blonde or, you know, big boobs. You know, those are descriptor words. But the thing is, is that we cannot fetishize race anymore. Right. Like, uh, I, in my productions, you will never see, like, a Black person being, like, a robber or a drug dealer mm -hmm. or a pimp. Like, I think it's starting porn, but you end up fucking at the end, so it's all good. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we can't, like, fetishize race. And I, I feel that, um, you know, the, the rape thing is, like, key. But the content of what you're producing is also key, you know, like you just have to be really responsible about the images that you're putting out there because like as a, um, as a pornographer, I realized that my images that I produce are like really powerful. So, you know, it, even though our products made for 18 year olds, I always, you know, we know that 15 year olds get a hold of it. So yeah, it's like yeah, those yeah. images that you put in people's minds at young ages, oh, yeah, those yeah. are the images that are gonna stick forever. Yeah. So I want to make responsible images and normalize people of different ethnicities having sex. Who's the biggest violators in the business, though, when it comes to that? You know them. Um, there's a few of them. You know, like, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm going to throw out there ghetto gaggers, dog fart, and bang bros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I really got a title for the show. Ghetto gaggers? <laughs> what were they? Ghetto Gaggers, uh -huh. Don and Bang Bros. They all produce really oh, racially charged content a lot, yeah. Like violent stuff that you were to? Like um, Ghetto Gaggers is pretty violent. Um, dog farts often like <laughs> racially charged dating. <laughs> and then like Bang Bros has this like frat boy mentality <laughs> of like, that shit's cool and funny. And it's First not. It's not cool and funny, but how can you come out and march against dog farts <laughs> it's like people like this the name of his dog farts man you get what you get <laughs> when when i start watching porn my new my category will be socially conscious porn okay good <laughs> <laughs> nothing's gonna come up <laughs> episode of facts of life is gonna come up <laughs> so so bang bros so yeah but what is it? Are people fetishing for this kind of violent, hardcore shit? Yeah, you know, and a lot of times they play on um, non-racial fetishes. I mean, sometimes they play on racial fetishes where it's like, you know, you've got these like white people that have always like secretly fantasized about having sex with black people, but it's not acceptable from where they come from, you know? Yeah. So they definitely play on those kind of taboos, like social taboos. Yeah. But then there's also like some play on things like female domination, which doesn't necessarily have to be race driven. Right. And like I saw that, that Duke girl, the porn girl from Duke, uh, she did her first porn. She was all over the 
the media talking about her porn, how she enjoyed it. I looked at porn. She looked scared as shit, first mm. of all. She was getting pushed around. It looked like, I was like, should I dial 911? This is not what I'm into. And they do it for the shock value, and it's like clickbait and stuff, too, you know? Like, you, you throw some, like, really crazy titles on it, and it makes people click it. Yeah. But there must be a market for it. Like, obviously, it's a business, right? So, like, people just want to make money. So, are you worried at all about losing money if you don't, like... Not at all. I've never, that? in 20 years, I've never degraded anyone that I have been, I've never intentionally degraded no I don't want to maybe accidentally I don't know but I've never intentionally relationship. you know you had to do it a couple times <laughs> I've never intentionally degraded anyone and none of my productions do and I am very successful mm -hmm. um, I don't feel even though there is a market for it I feel like it's a niche market and I also and this is one of the things that I you know I manage talent also this is one of the things that I tell the talent I manage if you create content, you'll find a market for it. But if you don't create the content, you, you don't need to create that market. Like, we don't need to feed a racist market. We don't have to do that. There's right. plenty of other markets to feed, you know? Right. Clown porn. We could do clown porn, you know? <laughs> Why don't you? <laughs> I meant to request something. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to vote with my dollar. Right. <laughs> now you worked with Lex Steele before, is that correct? I love Lex, yeah. Lex is a good dude, man. I met him in LA. Good dude. Good dude. I've seen yes. it. I think other than my cock, I've seen his cock. <laughs> <More than his. laughs> yep. One of my favorite performers. Really great guy. Really great guy, like on and off screen, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, now have you worked with some dudes where you're like, oh, this dude is just a fucking dick. Yeah. And then you have the fuck him after that. You already know, oh, I hate this dude. Yeah, like let's just, it? Keep it, let's just keep it to like work relationship, you know, like I'm sure that you guys have all had like some sort of job or gig where you're like, I definitely would not kick it with this person before or after work. You know? Yeah, but that job never entailed me with a dick in my mouth. <laughs> right? Well, as long as I don't hate them, as long as I don't hate them, I can like get through it. There's been a couple people that are on my no list that I really just, I don't like, you know, like they've done something or said something that's not appropriate or like offensive. And so, yeah, as long as I don't hate you, I can make it through it. Like, right. it's only gonna be a few hours. <laughs> Let's make it look good. <laughs> now, are you still married to the dude who you was married to when you started? No, I've been divorced for 13 years. I was married for 11 and I've been divorced for 13. Is he in the industry as well? No. He was just a regular Joe? Yeah. This nigga. <laughs> I was just a regular. I was just a regular Sarah, you know. Like I was a regular Sarah. He was a regular dude. But you was a regular Sarah doing gangbangs. He's a regular dude working at the post office. <laughs> <laughs> what, did he ever get jelly, or did he? Was he come to the scene? Come see some of your shot uh, shoots? No, it wasn't really his thing. You know, like uh, he trusted me to like do my thing and. Yeah, I trusted him to do his thing. And yeah, it was, we had a really good relationship. Um, it's just like, I got married so young. I got married at 19 that we ended up just growing apart, you know? That's the most Ohio thing you said about yourself. You got married at 19. <laughs> that is so right? good. in Kentucky, nigga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, um, I fell in love and I was like, I don't know if I'll ever find another person like this in my life, so I better marry him now, you know? Now, he wasn't one of the two black people in your high school, right? No. <laughs> but the funny thing is, it's like after I met him, 
I met after I met him, which I met him when I was 19. I graduated when I was 18, right? So like I met him when I was 19. He was actually roommates with one of the guys though. I was like, I walked into his uh, house and I was like, you went to my high school. <laughs> <laughs> he was roommates with the, one of the guys who went to school. Yeah. Wow. So you were like one third of the black people in that town. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a small world over there. <laughs> How do your family? How did? Cause they, I mean, you're famous from it. So everybody who you grew up with, and all your family members, your grandmother, your cousins, they all know about your work. What do they say? Well, I don't have a lot of family to be honest, which is probably um, one of the like easiest things in my life. You know? Why you don't have family? Like a Dateline situation? Dateline? Yeah, like well, I've got like my mom and my stepdad. And, um, yeah, I haven't really talked to any of my other family since I was, like, young, like, a teenager, you know, so Is I... Is that the cause of the industry, or...? No, way before that, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, we just cut... My mom and I kind of, like, removed ourselves from our extended family, and I'm an only child, so it's oh. fine. Like, it wasn't really a big deal. But my mom and my dad are super supportive of me. Um, they, you know, they've instilled really good values in me as far as um you know being a good person you know like mm -hmm. i'm nice i'm kind i'm fair i'm honest and those are really the things that matter in mm -hmm. life you know and so it, they always felt as long as i didn't change those like you know core values that i'm all i'm very humble you know like i i they've never had a problem with what i did you know i'm happy and i'm successful and i do my own thing well that's sweet I mean, maybe you should have tried comedy. They would have turned it back on you. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Like, no, my mom and dad are so supportive of me. Nice. Now, who, um, you, I'm sure you got some stories, because uh, you seem like you're well-rounded and you got through the industry and you run your own shit. But there's a lot of people who come in this industry and fall to the wayside of some tragic stories. So let's hear some of them. Oh, geez. <laughs> you don't want to share the tragic stories? Come on now. Oh, hear some of you like this. Oh, that poor girl. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the biggest, the most common, and this is like not like a specific story about any like one person, but the most common thing is that like a girl will get into the industry to make some quick money without intention on staying in the industry or creating a career. She'll be in it. Mia Khalifa. Oh, here we go. Perfect. There's like a I petition, right? Isn't there a petition going around for her? Because she... Look, if people don't know, Mia Khalifa, she was supposed to be, what she said, you're Muslim, a porn yeah. star. She did a couple movies, and then she got out. But she did some she stuff that was like super Muslim-y and like inflammatory that she was taken advantage for and like not paid for and didn't know what she was getting into, right? People are like, yeah, she's, she's right. Right. I need to have her stuff get taken down. I have to, I have to like preface this with, I don't know Mia Khalifa personally. I don't know her story exactly, but from the back end side of it, from talking to producers and directors and people knowing how contracts work and stuff, what I am assuming is that I don't know the reasons why Mia got into the industry, but she got into it, not really knowing what she was doing, thinking it was funny. It was going to be like a quick buck. I'm assuming yeah. she signed a contract. The contract was short-lived. She didn't know how to navigate her career after that, or maybe she didn't even want to. Right. And she, she feels at this point that she made a huge mistake by, you know, uh, you know defamation with her religion. Yeah. And then she didn't make enough money to 
for her face to be everywhere for eternity. You know, a company that has like- $1,000 overall. You know, like when you look at it from a business sense, you have an opportunity to pay somebody very little money to have them do something that nobody wants to do. Yeah, and amazing clickbait for centuries to come. Yeah. You know, like the, the Muslim porn that she did was yeah. like amazing clickbait for centuries to come. Yeah. So they're gonna be making money off her forever. Yeah, and they make she got like just a little drop of that money. And at the yeah. time I'm sure she was like, yeah, sure. I, I have $0, so $12,000 sounds great, you know? Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm sure she feels it's like- It's the most watched fucking porn of the last couple of years. Yeah, and without her, like she could have used that, like even though it was like overall a mistake, she could have actually done something with that and continued that career and maybe yeah. even mm -hmm. shed that, um, that image of being a Muslim porn, the Muslim porn star chick by doing something bigger in the yeah. porn industry and creating a brand for herself. And, you know, she could have gone on, but instead she didn't have any direction. She didn't have any good management. She may have not even had the driver or the desire to stay within the industry and just dropped it. Well, that's what you're gonna get. You know, I'm sorry, Mia. There's a lot of backlash on it. But yeah, you, you, you really need to get into this industry like for the long haul or like not at all because you have to realize that it's like on you for life like a tattoo you know like this is it's gonna stick around yeah i think plus he was she felt like an outsider to the porn industry like everybody in the porn industry looked at her as an outsider so it was like it's a different kind of loyalty there you think i think that also is because she started out as a contract girl and what that means is that you can't work for other companies mm -hmm. and she couldn't she couldn't cam for other companies. She couldn't do anything for any other companies. So she was kind of like set aside like an outsider, like to only work for this company. Right. You know, which kind of removes her from the, the pool of all the rest of us that are, you know, getting to know each other, going to events, shooting things. And so right. I, I can understand why she feels that way, but you know, you make your bed, you lie in it kind of thing. Yeah, now she's, uh, you know, she's still wanted by ISIS. <laughs> A lot of Muslims came out. It's like her, her name and image is ruined. I, this poor girl, I, I think she was just a fat girl who lost a lot of weight and said, I want to show my body off now. And when I was Maybe. You know, the other thing that, you know, you see her complain a lot of times and looking really depressed on social media and stuff. And, you know, I feel bad for her. But at the same time, like, if you really want to make a change, first change your name. Yeah. Like, why would, why would you still have social media under Mia Khalifa? Like, well, so I think she wants part of it. I think she's still, I don't I don't think how, no matter how bad shit gets, if you get some, uh, in this in this generation, if mm -hmm. you still get likes and hits and they still, she don't want to give up what she earned from that name. But yeah, but you know, if it's causing her so much pain, like it's the, that's the best thing to do, you know, like change your haircut, change your glasses, change your name. If you could, if you could sign her right now to your company, oh, you, no. you could make that shit work. No, like I wouldn't do it because she's obviously mentally unstable. Oh, that's true. Like I, I don't like to sign people that are not in it for like career long term. Like, no, I but want you to know. Stable right now is how is her name is right now. Yeah. Even if it's, like, it's like pro wrestling, come no. to bullet, but they'll come. <laughs> <laughs> not into it. Like I, I would much rather have somebody that um, has a third or a quarter or a smidgen of her fame 
and but wants to do this forever because I can teach people how to make money forever in the adult industry. I but, think kids could make a million dollars off a podcast. <laughs> Honest to God, if she had a podcast, I think it, people. She did. She had a sports one with somebody. Sports one, yeah. I'm trying to get yeah. on. Yeah, like obviously it didn't do well, or she would probably still be doing it. Yeah, she was doing it. I think she uh, bounced. Uh, did someone ESPN at one point? Yeah, it might have been a one go, but. And you're a big Knicks fan, right? Me? Do you like basketball? It's like whatever. It's you whatever. Know you know, I'll wear whatever shirt you send me. <laughs> <laughs> now you see yourself getting married again? Never. Never. I'm married to the game. Married to the game. There she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All these young um, it's, it's what feeds me. It's what makes me happy. And it also gives me pretty decent sex. So there you go. <laughs> Are you directing as well? Yeah, I produce, direct. I manage talent. Do you ever think about doing a crossover and doing like non-porn stuff? Yeah, you know, I, I've got, um, I've had a couple moments where I was in like some. I've seen you know, like movie, regular movie movies. I was going to say like thriller movies and stuff like that where yeah. like screen, like, you know. B screen screen movies and stuff but that kind of stuff doesn't really interest me to be honest with you like I'm really for pushing like the sexual agenda like uh, uh, you watch a scene in a movie and ain't no dicks and puss out you'd be like this this movie stinks (laughs) or like you know we could have like turned that into a porno really probably uh I just I feel like that that's what I'm here for you know like everybody has their purpose and I feel like my purpose is to kind of normalize sex and especially normalize sex with other ethnicities. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a like big proponent of that. And I feel like I've been put in a position to be able to make a difference in yeah. that. And uh, that's kind of where I want to go. If, well, if I was doing some mainstream stuff, I'd kind of want to play myself. Like that would be fine. Sex is taboo in a lot of households. Zainab, how was sex in your house? You know, your parents ain't allowed no talk about no sex in there. Oh no, I was raised Muslim. I was she did everything she said, my parents would have threw me away. <laughs> Picked me up and put me right in the trash. It, yeah, no. No, no, no. No. So do you notice Mia Khalifa, the whole controversy about her? The Muslim well, she, Yeah, and I, I also watched that show Rami. And I mean I know Rami. I don't know why I said it like I don't know Rami, but wasn't she I feel like they gave her like an episode. I think you might be right. They yeah, because because yeah. I think they were trying to like illustrate the hypocrisy in it looking like them giving her a hard time, but then some big like shake had her at it, like was paying her millions of dollars just to sit at his house. You know what I'm saying? Like, was he? I, I mean, that's what they show on the episode. But I mean, we right. all know we've all been to like Dubai, right? Right, they, right. They, you know, I I don't want to. I, I can separate like the Islamic faith because I am Muslim. I can separate that from the behavior of men. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Who happen to be Muslim and go up in a Muslim culture and live in a Muslim country. It's like, yeah, we're going to tell y'all what we don't want you to do and we're going to, you know, stone you to death, but we're going to fuck you too. Yeah. You know what I'm it's just, it's your fault. It's not our fault. It's your fault. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's not fair. <laughs> it is a lot of hypocrisy, but yeah, so I don't, if I was her, I wouldn't even go over there for the million dollars because I would think they want to kill me. Right. I'd be scared of shit. With it, with the the things that she says and shows on social media that she's like, you know, depressed and she's regretting like the things that she did. It's like don't perpetuate your image then. Right. You know, like, 
it's obvious that she, by taking these gigs as like herself on shows or the, the ESPN show, she's trying to make something out of the name that she has, but you're also perpetuating that image that you're kind of ashamed of also. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think social media is at this point just like publicity. And for a very long time, the, the, the saying has always been good or bad publicity is good. Yeah, and yeah. so whether they yeah. hate you or love you, your, your followers still go up and you you know, which directly affects livelihood most times. So, mm-hmm. you know. I think she's going to keep running with it because it's like that's what people know her for. It's like she's trying to, how can you distance yourself from yourself? <laughs> You know, you could yeah. make more of an effort if you really wanted to. Like, right. I just wanted to. I feel like the money, the money is like, you know, pretty high on people's priority list. You know, like. But also, you said she had, like, you said that you can tell she's clearly not mentally stable, right? So for us to ask her to do anything that exhibits stability is like, wait, yeah. that's going against no. what we already know her to right. be. Right. Absolutely, no? absolutely. And like I said, I don't know her personally, and I'm not speaking from like direct personal contact. But from watching her climax to watching her decline, it's like her climax. Yeah. She's an example of like she's like an extreme example of what happens in the industry all the time. You know, girls get in it, they want some quick money, they make some mistakes, they feel bad about it, and they get out within like 18 months. And most of these girls that that happened to, we never know. But it just happens that she her shit blew up because of the Muslim thing. So yeah. now he didn't have that option of being one of these girls who just go by the wayside and get in real fast and get out and nobody knows about it. They're like she got in, tried to get in and out fast and everybody knows about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is a whole nother ball game. It's like, she's in a unique position, but does it like, if you're a young girl and you think about doing this, is this an option like this? Do you have to be fearful of this kind of thing? Just blowing up like this? Absolutely. You have no idea. Like when you go on to set, and they give you a script or give you an idea and they tell you what you want, what they want you to do. You have no idea where this could go. Like, for example, um, I, you know, I, when I started, it was VHS tapes and then it was DVDs and then it was like the internet. And I remember um, walking in, there's, I mean, a few, I got a few stories like this. Like I remember walking into this house on South Beach and uh, they had an office set up in the kitchen, like printer and stuff like that. And um, yeah, that was my first shoot for Bang Bros. And it just seemed like just a regular shoot, you know? And then all of a sudden I am in Europe and people are chasing me down the street because this shit's gone viral, you know? Wow. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, and like Naughty America is the same way. Like, this is so interesting to me. I, the business of pornography is so interesting to me. So like before the tube sites and before the free porn, mm-hmm. there were pop-ups that you would get in your email yep. and you would also be able to download free scenes that people would put on LimeWire. Like, yeah. or, you know, and it's some file sharing sites and stuff. And there are certain scenes that like Naughty America, for example, would put on LimeWire for free to drive traffic to their, their sites. Right. And so once they started doing that, I started getting recognized in the most random places all over the world. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like I, when I got into the industry, people were a little bit more closed mouth about their sexual um, preferences when it comes to like watching porn. And 
I had no idea that people would just be like, oh my God, it's you. I jerk off to you every day. And I'm like, <laughs> I said it to you one time, Sarah, and you said you wouldn't forget. <laughs> so, um, you know, like it kind of caught me off guard, but like when I see little things like that, I'm like, I can understand why these girls get into it and think like, oh, nobody's going to see this. It's just going on a little like site that I've never even heard of before. Right. But the thing is, is that site might be like the next big thing tomorrow. Yeah, it's naive to think that nobody's going to see it. Definitely in this time, man, if you fuck in the park, I just assume people got it on video. <laughs> you didn't see that video of the two homeless people having sex on the street? I'm going to Google it now. I'm Where seeing it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Everything yeah, they put a blanket on and <laughs> I was getting it in. Well, in the park, there was uh, two homeless people banging outside. No, not in the park. I'm talking about right on the street, like right That's on the sidewalk. Walk. Yeah, not in a park. That's too classy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sex is everywhere now. How much do you hate these like amateur like videos and all these people fucking up your industry? It would be just like if you know comedy kind of got drained with a whole bunch of com comedians in a, and uh, watering them down and everything. So do you feel like that's affecting porn in the same way? People doing it for no money, fucking up everybody's money? Um, well, I think like the amateur stuff, like as far as like amateur quality stuff you know people shooting stuff on their phone like with no lighting there's always been like a lean for that and i'm totally fine with that because the person that is a consumer of that type of pornography is not going to be enjoying the same type of like high quality pornography that's done in like a studio setting with studio lights and microphones and this and that so it's like totally different i guess um you know all these people though that think that they can be porn stars, and I'm not saying that they can't, but there's a flood of people that just want to be involved in the industry. They think and, they got what it takes, and they don't. Yeah, and you know, there's like an outlet for them now. Like, you know, you can make your own amateur porn, and you can post it on Pornhub, you can post it on OnlyFans, you can post it on all these different places. And um, I think that that's kind of like a, it's just, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. It's like one of those things where we now have like more acceptance. There's a bigger performer pool to pull from, but there's a whole lot of um, people for the consumer to kind of like wade through like, oh, that's trash, that's trash. But then you end up getting a lot of new people that like kind of rise to the top. And like once they decide to make that jump into like, um, you know, like really like mainstream porn, then they can be successful because they've already been creating their own businesses this whole time. So is that like a, like a, one of these uh, Facebook uh, a YouTube uh, stars, YouTube celebrities? Like when you come to comedy, you have these YouTube comics that go on and yeah. uh, have a big following on YouTube, but then they get into a live audience and like Montreal Comedy Festival and eat the fucking ass. Sometimes, but then every now and then you'll, you might get like one out of 50 that's like, no, you know what? You are actually a star. That was great. Right. Good job. Yeah. And I kind of feel like it's the same kind of thing. Like, you know, you, you give them a little taste of what it, it's like the, the minor leagues, you know, like right. if you can do it here, maybe you can do it there. Try out, you know, you can move up to the pros. Yeah. <laughs> you feel the same way you say like, uh, with comedy, you have all these, uh, there's people who do it for free or do it on YouTube and fucking up the game, or do you think it's helping the game? I, I think I think it's okay for people to do to provide it for free. I, I think the thing that messes it up is people get a following for posting something funny 
and then they decide that makes me a comedian. Right. Yes. And I think that's that's what messes it up. Not that somebody hasn't, not that people have access now to produce, to, you know, uh, illustrate their comedy in a different way. But I think that the people who usually succeed are people who, they were doing comedy. Right. But they were not being seen, but they were right. getting their reps in. Right. And then because they weren't being booked at clubs, because they weren't making money at it, they also decided to use this other platform. They blew right. up there and then went back to the very thing that they wanted to do. And then you feel those people, for the most part to me, tend to have an okay go at it. You know, right. but the person that like went viral because they cursed their mama out and now they like, I'm a comedian <laughs> too. It's like, all right, okay. No, I think you're absolutely right when it comes to comedy. And one of the things that I've noticed online with a lot of the like Instagram and YouTube <laughs> comedians is that they do like one thing that's funny and then they have this like pressure to like keep on putting out like funny content and it yeah. makes them like way less funny. You're, and then yeah. it just like exposes the fact that like, it you're actually funny. not that funny. You just had that one funny thing. But that's why the reps are doing stand up and getting on stage, off stage, on stage, off, all around the country. Like when you're doing that fucking, you gotta build, you building that foundation that you can put all the shit on top of. But if your foundation is just some whimsy that happened, then th that whole structure gonna come down when somebody blow on it. Yeah, but also too, it's like, you know, you said that once your videos started being seen, you were traveling all over the world and people were like chasing you because they saw you having sex, right? If you tell a person that in a day got 2 million followers, that they ain't like, wait, 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 that could be a good joke, but why don't you try it like this? They're gonna be like, what? You, oh, oh, you got 10 people who back you up? I got 2 million people who say the way I'm doing it is right. And that's, I think that's where they kind of, you know, like, cause the followers like feed your ego. Yeah, and it's a, a false sense of security. Totally yeah. agree. But that ass woman's always waiting around the corner on an ill-prepared motherfucker boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that ass woman's recovered. Because <laughs> everybody has to take it. Everybody, every comedian, regardless of how good you are and what your rise to fame is, you, you're going to stink at some point, right? Yeah. You're going to fail at some point. Yeah. But most times you get to fail in those dark rooms on that night where it's only 17 people. Yeah. You know, and it builds it up so that when you get into a place where you fail in front of a big audience, you're like, I could take it. But, you know, also, too, when you post a video online, it's no immediate feedback. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that that's also something that maybe a person that becomes a comedian online is not used to. But you know, yeah, but there is still a gray area of like some people are not comics who get on stage. They're just not. And then people who actually do stand up are like, well, that's not what that is. But they call themselves a comedian and then they have to like say a thing defending that because they consistently make funny content or content that like their followers are finding funny in some other medium. So like people, like it's not a PhD. Like anyone can just say they're a comedian. You don't have to get like, you, you know what I mean? Like you're not a doctor. So like, yeah. well, so like what, so look, if your followers think you're funny and they think you're consistently funny and you make a living doing it, but it's not stand up, are you a comedian? Yeah. Well, it takes to be a comedian or an actor. It's just, you gotta yeah. see. Yeah. I was going to say, I think you're probably an entertainer. Yeah. 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 You know, we really worry about fucking circling the wagons on stand up comedy. Yeah. You know, stand up comedians are real funny about like, that ain't stand up. That ain't, it's comedy, but it ain't stand up. Yeah. And it was like stand-up's a different thing. We really fucking guard that shit. Yeah, but like everybody wants to be a stand-up comedian. 
Yeah, until they get on that even stage. Even if they don't say it. No, even like in their hearts. You know, every every good comedian has had a um, a civilian come up to them and say, I could never. That's the scariest thing. Everybody in the depth of their soul wants to be Eddie Murphy. In the depth of their soul wants that. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So if they even get a little bit of taste and then someone else to validate that, they're going to run with it for as long as they can. They can. I, yeah, I can't believe no? that. Yeah. yeah. But I've definitely been at the shows where they ask like a, an experienced comedian to host the show for some social media comedian. Yeah. And if their audience comes out for them. Their audience comes out for them, and when they come out, they, woo! And then minute five, the audience be like, ha, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and then minute 10, the audience is like, oh, oh, we Bring back the host. Yeah, <laughs> and then at the end of the show, all their followers are like, so wait, so why don't you do stuff online? You, you, I, you should have a million followers. It's like, oh, Ain't it crazy? Yeah, that's like, that's exactly how it happened. But, but like you can't story. also, Sorry, you can't, like, as the comedian that has the, the, the grind road, you can't be bitter. Right. You can't be like, nah, because nah, that doesn't service you either. No, no, it doesn't. Right. Well, of course, we more than blessed to get to do it. Yeah. We don't got to do stand-up. We get to do stand-up. Yeah. We get to do that shit. So you just got to appreciate it. No matter how it's yours is served, cold or hot, lukewarm, nigga, timid, eat up. Because <laughs> it's a blessing. Yeah. Yep. Huh? I'm sure you feel the same. <laughs> no, I, I have a YouTube channel and I do funny things on the YouTube channel. I, you could say I do some comedy on the YouTube channel. I'm not a comedian, but I think that I can be entertaining. Yes, yeah. I agree. We ha I, have, I, have, I have funny moments, but I'm, I'm like, Eh, I wouldn't say consistently funny. <laughs> but you know, also, you know, also, and you don't seem like this type of woman, but I think that there are women specifically who will post a video where they believe that they are being funny. But what, what the million views is, is like those titties. Right. Like, I know no, you I think, and so they leave like, no, I'm funny, but it's like, but nobody's going to be like, well, we actually clicked on it a million times because yo, those titties. <laughs> yeah, you know, I try not to pay you know attention to the views and stuff. Like, I like to give the things that I think are funny to like people that I think are funny, and be like, "What do you think about this? Is it funny?" You know, and that I like people's like you know actual feedback better than the numbers because, like you said, like it could be just my name, even like yeah, you know, my yeah. name carries a lot of weight. So, like yeah. just clicking on my name. Like there's views or schmooze, whatever, likes, likes, whatever. I, I also think, and, and Sherrod kind of asked you, because he kind of asked you this about porn. Like when he asked you if you would hire, is her name Mia Khalifa? Yeah. Uh, Mia if, you would hire, yeah if you would hire her right now because, um, you know, because of how much of a money bag it would be, a money grab it would be, right? Yeah. And I think that also happens and in, in, in is sort of disheartening to comedians who have been like working in clubs and, and, and have been working really hard and never really got their payoff in like the, the TV and film world, right? Yeah. But what we also have to understand is that comedy clubs who will book a really big porn actress or internet person to do a stand-up show is that comedy clubs are like their businesses usually failing businesses. They're usually like failing restaurants. Yeah. They also provide you with a little bit of entertainment. That's actually what a comedy club is in its yeah. essence, you yeah. know? And so 
comedy club owners, for the most part, unless they have this high, this, this affinity for comedy, this high standard for stand-up comedy, some they do, gonna put seats. Some do, some do, but they're going to yeah. put those seats in those, they're gonna put those butts in the seats. You're so right. You know? Comedy clubs are like are they are like restaurants. Like the thing that you yeah. don't see behind the scenes of every restaurant is that it's literally falling apart. <laughs> like yeah. rest, restaurants just are barely keeping it together. You're like, this is expensive. They have a margin of like five cents per dish. There's no guarantee anybody's ever going to come in again. If one virus gets passed around, God fucking forbid, no one's coming out and the whole business closes. Like it's everybody's fucking everybody. Like the restaurant is pregnant. And owning a boat is just a hole in the water you throw money in. (laughs) (laughs) They're liable for everything. They have uh, hundreds of customers a night who are mad about something and don't want to do this and that. Like, I would, it's like, you know. When you crack it though, but when it's popping, when it's popping, it's fucking feels like you're surfing. You got the world. It it feels great. But there's not enough to go around. There's not enough, like some people get a, like a huge share of the pie and then that other people get none. It's not like if you're just in an industry, you're going to get like your little chunk. Like it's like most things are kind of winner take all mentality. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you're either huge or no one knows you. Yeah. You know, it's kind of similar with like feature performing because I still go around to strip clubs and strip but they like book me for the weekend. And so they pay me to fly out and they book me for the weekend. And it's kind of like the same thing you were saying as far as like, those are usually the ones that need some help. But you know, like, so I go into a strip club that's like empty and yeah. they're hoping that I can fill it. But like, yeah, that you're yeah. Yeah, and which is cool because sometimes I can and like the strippers there are all like so thankful. They're like, oh my gosh, we haven't been this busy in like forever, you know? Right. And uh, that's great, but it's the same kind of situation. And they're all like, a lot of times they're falling apart. They're just like, they're literally holding on to that oh, champagne room money. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Because a lot of them don't run their businesses right all those other times. Like between right. the big names, you gotta, that's why like the comedy clubs is really successful are the ones that don't need a big name to sell out. It's their name is the big name. It's just their name. name But you know what? Like a comic, uh, an entertainer, right? Like anybody, like a stripper, a porn star, comic, whatever. You are (laughs) also like a business. You are also an entity, the same as the club, right? So it's the exact same thing. Like some people are going to sell out and some people are going to be a huge draw and some people, no one gives a shit and they're just going to be on the lineup and like riding into the audience that somebody else book for them like it's like always like this um what is it like those russian dolls like everybody's kind of fucked (laughs) except maybe one or two people yeah and the truth is the guys who are right under being the top famous dudes that's who run the industry that's who keep the industry going that's the meat and potatoes of comedy at least is the motherfuckers you might not know their name but you might know their face or you might know a joke and that's the motherfuckers who keep this industry going period it's kind of the same with porn, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think also, too, a, as a stand-up comedian, you believe that, pe- that the general public has the same sort of... Um, uh, hmm, intelligence, like, and I don't mean, like, I don't mean, like, education, but the same intelligence about the world as you. Yeah, like, just comprehension. Uh, yeah, and it, yeah, but not just that, like... You, Sherrod, I'm sure you see this or get this on the road. I get a lot of people saying, this is my first comedy show ever. Yeah. You know? And so when they see somebody who's bad, they don't know that they're bad. They're like, oh, that's comedy. I, right. 
they don't have the same level of I don't know what it's called. Yeah, a yeah. sophisticated like, palette, kind of. Yeah, it's palette. Expectations mm -hmm. or whatever it is, they don't have it. So yeah, they don't have also, it. you know, it's like when you watch a movie and you and you notice something. And then everybody else is like, oh, I didn't even notice that. I'm like, what, like, what, what do y'all do? Yeah, like, what, what, are you what were you watching? Right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. But that's why even when sometimes we do jokes, you got to come back in your writing just to pick up the niggas who you lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn the car around and scoop them up because they ain't get it. They yeah. might be like this, but they ain't get it. Turn the car around and go get yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah, how you got to write even fucking articles in newspapers. Like, you just got to assume yeah. that some niggas is falling off as you as they taking it in. But they don't think, yeah. and, and that they don't think that. Like, they don't, like, to your point, Zainab, like, like you're going to get, like, a, a lot of people are like, I couldn't. That's so brave and crazy. And, like, I really admire that. But those are also the people screaming shit out in the middle of the fucking show. Like, yeah. so you do kind of think you can do it. So you do actually mm -hmm. think you do it, just not from the stage, how I do it. But you also yeah. kind of think that you're the same as me, right? Yeah, the coward mm -hmm. way. You want to sit in the dark and scream right. <laughs> on stage and really get behind what you're talking about. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. It's like Jerry's old joke. He's like, people got a bigger fear of uh, speaking in public than they have of death. Yeah. So at a funeral, motherfuckers rather be in a casket than giving a eulogy. Yep. Mm. <laughs> 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 a good episode, guys. I had fun. Guys, yeah, yeah, of course. Good. This is so corny and good. We definitely got to promote the CBD oils. Where can people find it, Sarah? SarahJCBD.com, or you can check out my blog at Sarah J Self Care Collection. They say. So wait, they, they, these these CBD oils you can send anywhere. Like, there's no regulation on where you can mail them to. You can send them anywhere in the U.S. and even a lot of places outside of the the country too. CBD is really widespread and it's kind of global at this point. I just sent some to my sister when I was up in Connecticut. It's a place in uh, Massachusetts. That you said, send your sister CBD lube. Yeah, no, not the blue, but send her the CBD oil. <laughs> that's not cute. I know you think you're cute, but that's not cute. Not the sex. That's, that's your family. <laughs> yeah, my mom takes CBD. Sex blue, peanut butter. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lube intrigues me. Because that's like putting a, it's like the really holistic and healthy version of like putting like a vodka tampon in there and just like feeling great. <laughs> yeah, wow. I I wow, that's a thing. Only do that. Uh, yeah, so but CBD. I next trust find where then say it again, say. Yeah, sarahjcbd.com. Yeah. Oh. Hey, you want to plug your plugs? Yeah, let's, um, they can follow me on social media. It's Zainab Johnson, Z-A-I-N-A-B Johnson. I have two podcasts. One is Honest Tea with Z. Honest Tea is spelled H-O-N-E-S-T-E-A nice. with Z. And then um, Just Friends. It's a relationship podcast with another comedian. And then they can watch me on Upload, which is on Amazon. Um, and they can I love that movie. show, by the way. It's Thank like, you. I've watched the whole series three times. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait till we can get back to work. Um, and they can watch me host a show on Netflix called 100 Humans. Dope. I'm proud of you. You know, I love you. I'm glad to see you. Yeah, thank you. White daughter, what you got? Awesome. Um, you can always check us out and watch full episodes on YouTube. Um, don't forget to check out our Patreon for bonus stuff and come say hi to me on social media. Karen Margolis, K-E-R-E-N-M-A-R-G-O-L-I-S and watch out for my show, Nergasm, on Compound Media. Yes. I mean, Race Wars, we doing it up. We got a new home, too. We're moving over to Embassy Row with my sports comedy podcast. Uh, small ball. So yeah, move over Andy Cohen, you son of a bitch. 
<laughs> Race Wars and Small Ball will be on Embassy Row. It'll be available on Apple Music and Spotify. Baby! I love you guys. You know that. Love you guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Stay out of trouble. Bye, guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.